stories are run in the cycle of the news to where we almost become sick of them. What happened to the stories that dominated the news for such a long time? Did they ever figure out what the actor or actress's death was caused by? Who was the killer in that string of murders? Does the legendary creature exist? Or was it made up by someone simply seeking attention? How did that one person die? Welcome to the Aftermath, where we hop in our time machines and figure out what ended up happening in the news stories we followed so intently and then never heard the ending to due to life smacking us in the face with more happenings. Forgotten story, the life and times of Manson and the Manson followers. This is episode one of a two-part series. Charles Manson was an American criminal and cult leader who led a group of followers known as the Manson family in the late 1960s. He was responsible for ordering several murders, including that of actress Sharon Tate and her unborn child. He was sentenced to life imprisonment and died in 2017. He was also a singer-songwriter who had some connections with the music industry, but his songs were mostly obscure and rejected by mainstream producers. He had a twisted interpretation of the Beatles' music and believed that he was a messiah who would start a race war called Helter Skelter. He was one of the most notorious and infamous criminals in American history. The backstory. Charlie Manson was born Charles Manson in Cincinnati, Ohio, on November 12, 1943. He was the son of a 16-year-old girl named Kathleen Maddox and a man he never knew. He spent most of his childhood with his aunt and uncle in West Virginia, and his mother was imprisoned for armed robbery. He had a troubled and criminal life from an early age, and eventually became the leader of the notorious cult that committed several murders in the 60s, if only Mama Manson had known. So, let's kick this asshole off right. Who is this guy? Charles Manson's an American criminal and cult leader who led the group of followers, known as the Manson family in the late 1960s. He was responsible for ordering several murders, including that of actress Sharon Tate and her unborn child. He was sentenced to life imprisonment and died in 2017. What was his childhood like? Charles Manson had a very troubled and unhappy childhood. He was born to a teenage mother who was often absent or just in prison, and he never even met his own father. He lived with different relatives who did not treat him well, and he started committing crimes at a young age. He was sent to various reform schools and prisons, where he suffered abuse and learned more criminal skills. He did not have a stable or loving family, and he developed his disordered view of the world. How did his childhood affect him? His childhood had a profound impact on his life. According to some sources, he developed an inferiority complex, a feeling of inadequacy, and a lack of affection from his early experiences. He also learned to be manipulative, violent, and antisocial. His exposure to crime and abuse, he never had a stable or loving family, and he tried to create one when he made the Manson family. He became a sociopath who had no remorse for his actions and believed he was a messiah who would start the race war. His name was Charlie Manson. How did he recruit and manipulate his followers into joining his cult and committing murders for him? Manson used a combination of psychological and sociological tactics to recruit and manipulate his followers into joining his cult and committing many murders for him. Some of these tactics were he targeted vulnerable and impressionable people, especially young women who were looking for a sense of belonging, identity, and purpose in a turbulent 1960s. He exploited their optimism, bias, and promised them a utopian vision of a new world order. <laughs> where he would be the messiah and they would be his chosen elite. elite, 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 elite. 
drugs, sex, and music to create a bond of loyalty. An intimacy among his followers and to alter their perception of reality. And morality. He isolated them from their family friends and moved them to remote locations where he had total control over their environment and information. He employed brainwashing and indoctrination techniques such as repetitive chanting, sleep deprivation, or fear-mongering to make them adopt his twisted worldwide view and ideology. He instilled in them a paranoid and us-versus-them mentality where he portrayed himself as the victim of a conspiracy by the establishment, the media, and the law, where he demonized anyone who opposed and challenged him. Manson also manipulated their emotions and cognition by using praise and punishment rewards and threats, love and hate, to elicit their obedience and devotion to justify his violent and criminal actions. Manson was a master of manipulation who used his charisma, intelligence, and knowledge of human psychology to influence and control his followers who became willing to kill and even die for him. He was also a sociopath who had no empathy, remorse, or consciousness for his heinous deeds. He was one of the most notorious cult leaders and murderers in history. What are the psychological and sociological factors that explain his behavior and personality? His behavior and personality have been the subject of much, and when I say much, I mean a lot. I like it a lot. Of speculation and analysis by psychologists, criminologists, and even historians, there's no definitive answer on what made him the way he was. But some of the possible factors could be psychological factors. Drugs, LSD, I don't consider drug. I don't consider poverty a drug. Those are more or less religiously significant awareness, mind-expanding apparatuses that come from the intelligence of the universe. The reason that the girls liked me was... Hey now, hey now, I'm all around you, around you. Hey now, up on your heart I can sing through you. And I play and I sing and they say, hey man, you, you, got, you got soul in that music. And I said, yeah, I, I play a little bit, you know. I like music. And they said, man, you're really somebody. I said, oh, I am? Oh, I just got out of jail. I don't know what somebody is. They like my music. They say, man, we want to get you over. I said, get me over for what? He said, we take you down here to Beverly Hills and we want to get you in with because you're a star. I said, I'm a what? They said, you're a star. So they took me to the Beach Boys. Brain, I did not break the law. Manson exhibited traits of narcissism, psychopathy, antisocial personality disorder, which are characterized by manipulative charm, lack of empathy, impulsivity, aggression, and disregard for the law and morality. He also had a history of childhood abuse neglect and trauma, which may have contributed to his emotional instability, resentment, and mistrust. And he had a... Now you want to get nuts? Come on, let's get nuts. 
tell me something, my friend. You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? I always ask that of all my prey. I just like the sound of it. Being a sexy beast and all, this raises an even bigger question now. What was Manson's relationship with the music industry, and how did he use the Beatles songs to fuel his apocalyptic vision? Manson was a failed musician who aspired to be a professional musician. He and his family spent time with some of the most significant artists of the late 1960s, including the Beach Boys. There's a place called Kokomo. And Neil Young. Keep on in the free world. However, his own debut studio album. Pretty, pretty good. Cease to exist. Just come and say you love me was an abysmal commercial failure. Manson misinterpreted several of the Beatles' songs as a motive for his murders, and esteemed rock stars subsequently invoked his image and likeness to court their own controversy. Manson traced his motive for killing back to the Beatles' White Album. On August 9, 1969, Manson ordered members of his family to kill a house full of people that included Sharon Tate, the famous actress, and Folger's coffee heiress, Abigail Folger. The following night, five family members stabbed a grocery store owner, Leno LaBianca, and his wife, Rosemary, to death inside their home. At both locations, the murderers sprawled the words, rise and piggies, along with helter-skelter, across the walls and doors in the victim's blood. Manson misread several song lyrics on the Beatles' White Album. Uh, I don't know what I thought when it happened. I just think a lot of the things he says are, are true, uh, that he's a child of the state, pr made by us, and he took their children in when nobody else would, is what he did. But of course, he's, he's cracked, all right. Well, he's balmy, he's like any other Beatle kind of fan who reads mysticism into it. I mean, we used to have a laugh putting this, that, and the other in, in a light-hearted way that people, some intellectual would read as some symbolic youth generation. What's it? But we also took seriously some part of the role, you know. But, uh, I mean, I don't know, what's Helter Skelter got to do with knife in somebody? <laughs> what, I don't even, I've never listened to the words properly of Helter Skelter. It was just a, a, a noise, you know that was released in November of 1968 as foreshadowing to a gruesome apocalyptic race war. According to Paul McCartney, Mason thought Helter Skelter referenced the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse as presented in the Book of Revelation. Manson told Rolling Stone in 1970 that, quote, Revolution 9 and Piggies, quote, predicted the violent overthrow of the white man, end quote. Meanwhile, he cited lyrics from Rocky Raccoon. Rocky Raccoon checked into his room only to find Gideon's Bible. Gideon checked out and left no doubt to help with Good Rocky's revival as evidence that the black man is going to come into power again. What was the timeline for the murders? On March 23, 1969, Manson approached the house in search of Milcher. Instead, 
he found Tate involved in a photo shoot when she told Manson that Melcher had moved. The cult leader left the premises. Tate flew to Rome the following day, July 25, 1969. Bobby Beausoleil slays Gary Henman. Gary Henman was one of the many music industry adjacent people that Manson had befriended in the late 60s. Since Manson believed Henman possessed a sizable cachet of money and stocks, the cult leader wanted him in the family so he would have to turn over all of his assets. At some point, however, Henman got on Manson's bad side. Remember, Bobby Beausoleil claimed this was because Henman sold the family low-quality, illicit substances. I'm freaking out, man. You are freaking out, man. Over the course of three days, Manson and Beausoleil, as well as family members Susan Atkins and Mary Bruner, tortured Henman. With a samurai sword. Yes, you heard me right. A samurai sword. Beausoleil admitted to stabbing Hinman in the chest himself. Following Hinman's brutal dispatch, the family wrote, quote, political piggy, end quote, on his wall in blood. Next to the inscription, they left what was meant to be a Paul symbol to incriminate the Black Panthers in the slaying. The plan was unsuccessful, however, as Beausoleil was taken into custody. Afternoon of August 8, 1969, Manson announces the family must kill again that night. In early August, Manson was prepared to jumpstart Helter Skelter. He also sought to free family members, Beausoleil, from prison to do so. He ordered his family to commit a crime similar to Henman's slaying in order to confuse the police. I'm so damn confused. Everyone on Spawn Ranch, a former L.A. movie set serving now as the Manson's family base, agreed to the plan. According to family members, Tex Watson's book, Will You Die For Me? Manson decided, amidst a group of sexual encounters, that Terry Melcher, former Cielo Drive residents, would serve as their target. Manson allegedly told Watson, quote, I want you to take a couple of girls I'll send with you and go down there and totally destroy everyone in that house as gruesome as you can. Make it just as bad as you ever seen and get their money. Manson also ordered Watson to write messages such as Helter Skelter and Rise on the walls in their victim's blood. Evening of August 8, 1969, the family sets out for Sharon Tate's home. Watson and several other Manson family members all high on speed, prepared to set out for the Cielo Drive house. Manson told Watson that he shouldn't return until he had $600. If the cash couldn't be found at Melcher's former home, then Watson was to go door-to-door until he had the money. The family borrowed a yellow 1959 Ford from one of the Spawn Ranch workers, telling him they were going to attend a concert in the city. Between them, they carried three knives, one of which was broken and a handgun. As they began to drive away, Manson allegedly stopped the group to say, Remember, leave a sign, something witchy. After midnight, August 9th, 1969, Tate and her friends are slain in her home. Once the family members arrived at Tate's Cielo Drive home, Nuck Watson snuck in through the window while his four companions waited outside. The six people in the house, including Sharon Tate and Jay Sebring, were all asleep. Wakey, wakey, eggs and bakey! Watson let the other members in through the front door. They then woke the occupants and carried out their gruesome plan. We have a 
weird homicide. In a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious rite, five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polyansky. Miss Tate, who starred in Valley of the Dolls, was eight months pregnant and was found in a bikini-type nightgown with a rope around her neck attached to the body of a man. Two bodies inside, two bodies outside. Among the other victims were Hollywood hairstylist Jay Sebring and coffee heiress Abigail Folger. Authorities would allow no one in an unofficial capacity inside the posh $200,000 home in the hills overlooking Los Angeles. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines cut. The bodies had been dead about 12 hours. They were discovered this morning by a maid who ran screaming to neighbors. One officer summed up the murders when he said, In all my years, I have never seen anything like this before. While the police admitted they had no suspects in the Bel Air massacre, there were two more murders 15 miles away in the Silver Lake section of Los Angeles. Market owner Leo LaBianca and his wife Rosemary were found by their children stabbed and mutilated. The word war was carved into LaBianca's chest, and death to pigs was smeared in the blood of one of the victims. The word pig had been scrawled in blood on the door of the Bel Air mansion where actress Sharon Tate and four others were slain. But police said, despite the similarities, they do not believe the crimes are linked. In the midst of the attack, Abigail Folger, the heir to the Folger coffee fortune, was chased onto the lawn and stabbed. She ultimately passed away and was found on the lawn that morning. Sharon Tate was the last member of the party to face the Manson family. Sharon Tate's last words were, quote, mother, mother, end quote, as she was repeatedly stabbed 16 times by Charles Tex Watson, while Susan Atkins held her down. Tate was eight and a half months pregnant at the time of her murder and begged for the life of her unborn children. And although Susan Atkins would later claim responsibility for ending Tate's life, Watson more than likely committed most of the brutality. After every member of Sharon Tate's family batched, a family member used one of the victim's blood to sprawl the word, quote, pig, end quote, on the house's front door, as instructed by Manson. The family believed the word would, quote, shock the world, end quote, early hours of August 9th, 1969. Following their crimes on Cielo Drive, the family attempted to leave the area as quickly as possible. According to Watson's book, not until the group was in the getaway car did they realize we forgot the $600 Manson requested. After cleaning themselves off with a garden hose, the family drove down to the winding Mulholland Drive, disposing of their incriminating possessions one at a time. The early hours of August 9, 1969, after escaping Cielo Drive, the Manson family returned to Spawn Ranch to relay the night's events to their leader. The group found Manson and another follower dancing without clothing. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> on one of the ranch's dilapidated movie sets. When he saw the returning members, he asked, quote, what are you doing home so early, end quote. Watson wrote that he told Manson the state of the home, messy and chaotic, just as instructed. Manson then asked if any of them felt remorse. Don't be a pussy. And all the perpetrators responded that they did not. You're not going to believe this. He killed 16 Czechoslovakians. Guy was an interior decorator. This house looked like shit. After the other family members went to bed, Manson allegedly pulled Watson aside, asking if their actions had successfully started Helter Skelter. Afternoon of August 9, 1969, the family follows the news of the slayings. The family spent the afternoon on August 9th reveling in their acts. Manson and his followers followed reports of the incident on the radio and local news. Holy backfire. 
fires right. And Harriet has just one hour. What'll it be, splash or salvation? Hold a hopeful breath for Aunt Harriet. Same bat time, same bat channel. 